The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to another edition of the Probably unfair podcast. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by a good announcer today, Kate Magic. Kate, what is going on? <laughs> oh, nothing. We are we are just so excited. We are like diving into the NFL draft. It's palpable. It's palpably unfair how far away it is and yet so close. Uh, 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 we, I know. I'm doing the I'm doing the right plugs. I'm very excited. We have uh, just about one week left until we get round one of the 2021 NFL draft ahead of this podcast. We were talking what teams uh, might, might be just a a 2021 draft away. a la uh, maybe the 2017 new Orleans saints uh, who like what team is going to really make that push to get them, if not to a super bowl as close as the new York, new Orleans saints were, uh, and I think that's what we're we're going to have to dive into today, because there are some teams that have the draft capital and have made some nice offseason moves that they could be putting themselves in a really nice position for the 2021 season. And you mentioned the Saints. Terrific draft in 2017. Marshawn Lattimore, number one over or sorry, number 11 overall pick their first over or their round one pick super super talented cornerback and as we've seen he can follow all these receivers and he has paid tremendous dividends for them ryan ramchak number 32 overall all pro right tackle no blinking um there's just nothing wrong with him essentially like he does everything you want he's very <laughs> dependable at round two marcus williams essentially a pro bowl safety alvin kamara in the third round no idea why he fell that far he was such a great prospect. And then they had Trey Hendrickson, who they had, they did not resign, but the production that they got from him on a rookie contract from where he was drafted in the third round, pick 103, great draft. So those are the drafts that will change your franchise and set put you in a position to excel for the next four years and probably beyond that, as we've seen with New Orleans. So we are going to talk about a team teams that are one draft away. We have three teams each. And then later on, you're going to hear a terrific interview from RJ Ochoa. And he interviews former Heisman winner, Florida quarterback, Danny Orfel. So Kate, let's start with you. We're going to talk about Washington's football team during this off season. They added Curtis Samuel, who is a darling on the internet. I love him. I imagine you do. I imagine everyone else that I've spoken to <laughs> loves him as well. They also have 
Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback who they Fitz added. It's magic. It's magic. Don't disrespect the man. <laughs> it's magic. So there have been rumors that Washington is thinking about drafting a running back in the first round after they just found a gym in Antonio Gibson. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about where Washington is. And I can't talk about them without adding uh, William Jackson as well in the secondary. So back to their draft in 2021. What does Washington need to do? Like, why did you pick Washington? So uh, Washington is a team that does not have a ton of draft capital uh, in the first three rounds. They do have four picks, but um, they've got number 19 overall, number 51. But they are a team that, I mean, last season we saw them make it surprisingly, shockingly um, to the playoffs, got first in the division. I think that's uh, given the landscape that we're still seeing in the NFC East. I still think uh, Washington's going to be a lock for the 2021 playoffs. But let's just look at what they were able to accomplish from uh, an offensive line standpoint. They've they've had pieces there, but haven't been healthy. Last season, they managed the third highest pass blocking grade per PFF 10th highest run blocking grade. Uh, they had the third most highly graded defense. I mean, all of these pieces that they've put together, uh, top to bottom, offense to defense, they've got Terry McLaurin, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson. They've got literally everything you could want on the offense, but even better, I think they, they've they just got everything so unlocked. Uh, in, in terms of their defense, Chase Young, Kendall Fuller, John Bostic, it, like, what what more I, I can't think of what they should be doing, honestly, in terms of their their draft capital, because they don't have a ton of holes to fill right now. And I think um, they're they're just a team that they've they've done well in free agency. And I think all of the moves that they've made, they've put them in a really good position um, that maybe you give them a little little more punch in terms of uh, like getting pressure on on opposing quarterbacks. Maybe you get them a little. Uh, extra offensive push. I don't even think they need it, but I, I I just think there's not a ton of holes. This is a team that actually could be ready to accomplish something as early as 2021. So with that in mind, there aren't many holes when you look at their roster. They can probably add an offensive tackle. They could do that, you know, on day two if they feel the need. They could perhaps add a linebacker, but a linebacker is not going to move the needle. It all comes back to Fitzmagic. If you feel like they are ready to compete right away, why wouldn't they mortgage some of their future and go up and get a quarterback knowing that Fitzmagic isn't the long-term answer? If a guy like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, whoever falls, um, even if it is Michael McCorkle <laughs> and they like yeah. him, but le uh, realistically, why wouldn't you mortgage the future for a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Especially when you don't have, like I said, you don't have that many holes to fill. You guys have, uh, they've they've done a really good job of just an overall rebuild. I, I think they're they're in a really good spot. And you know what? Like Fitz Magic, I think is is a quarterback that, with the right surrounding cast, with the right capable receiving weapons, I think he's a really good one year answer because I think he's just good enough. He's just. Uh, he's got just enough edge that he actually could take you pretty far um, because, I mean, we've seen what he can do when he gets on a tear. And I think they've got all the the right pieces to to support that. And on both sides of the ball, I'm really excited for Washington in 2021. Are we going to say that they are the best team in the NFC East right now? Yes. And I mean, I think if you're going to to look at really any other team, I mean, I, 
I, I don't know who would be the closest competition. I think it would have to be the Giants. Right. But I, we we've seen the the Washington football team make really big strides. I think uh, with the the free agency plays that the Giants have made um, with the signing of Kenny Galladay, I do think that they could be in a, a place to take a step forward this season. But I mean, Washington already took that step forward. And I think that it's not going to take much for them to to just take another hopscotch into the 2021 playoffs. A little hopscotch action. I like it. I like a little ho- it. Yeah. They, <laughs> they first, they got, they took a step forward and now they're hopping. And I think they're ready to, to make a postseason run. Beautiful analogy. And speaking of just good enough, my next team, the Browns. <laughs> The Browns just have, good enough. <laughs> the Browns are they're not. This is not your aunt and uncle's Cleveland Browns. They oh are much better. They have a very, very stacked team. Just signed Jadavion Clowney. So now they have Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney on the edge there on defense. They've added Troy Hill. They're going to get Greedy Williams back. They're also going to get Grant Delpit back in the secondary. Added John Johnson from the Rams, who I love. Denzel Ward is a stud. Looking on the offensive side of the ball, Odell Beckham is going to come back. You know, it seems like they're not going to move him. I don't know why they would. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones going to take a next step. Jarvis Landry, their line is great. Don't forget Rashard Higgins. Do not oh, disrespect I... my friend Rashard. <laughs> so you, you are very right about that. I love Higgins. I'm surprised that he signed for as low as he did because he's a really good player. Um, he, he's not... I don't want to say he's Jarvis Landry, but he's really not far off from what Jarvis Landry can do, which is a compliment. I think Jarvis Landry is a lot better than people seem to think. But they have a selection in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round. So they have all of their picks. They're picking at the end of the draft because they had a successful season. So with that in mind, I picked the Browns because not unlike Washington, there just aren't many holes on their roster. And if with these picks that they have. So let's say pick 26. I think that they can still add a little more speed. Greedy Williams, he didn't play. Denzel Ward, he's great. But you can add a cornerback. You can just, I would just add more speed on that defense, whether it is a guy like Tyson Campbell, uh, Greg Newsome, a cornerback in the draft. And then, you know, from there, they're in a position where they can just add whoever. They can add the best player available. So if they really hit on these first two picks, for sure, the Browns are going to be very tough to beat because, like I said, that roster is so loaded. They have so many good players and a very good coach who the difference between Kevin Stefanski and Freddie Kitchens was just night and day. So I'm going to go with Cleveland Brown, the Cleveland Browns. You know, hopefully Baker gives us something more. I, I do think that, you know, Stefanski has done a very good job of, you know, I don't want to say hiding Baker, but that's what it comes off as to me where he doesn't have to do much. I am interested to see if. There is a change because when the when Baker did play with OBJ, it seemed like he was sort of forcing the ball to him. And then when OBJ was out, he just seemed more comfortable with Jarvis Landry. So with more weapons, we'll see how it goes. Uh, what do you think about the Browns prospects heading into this draft? Oh, I love the Browns. I, it's really hard to look at their roster and find flaws. Um, yeah. I mean, from top to bottom, I th- like – if you're looking at Baker Mayfield, who I know uh, as as a number one overall pick, not nobody's been super super overwhelmed by his performances, but um, I, he took a big leap forward as soon as, interestingly, like you noted, OBJ left the field last season. Um, I think we saw him when he he didn't necessarily feel 
that pressure to force the ball. I mean, he he does a really good job at spreading the ball around the field, um, making uh, capable reads. I think he's a capable quarterback, and I think he's going to to have a fine career. But, I mean, Kevin Stefanski has made all the difference, and I think uh, he's really just changed the overall attitude of that team. Um, I'm I'm really excited about the Browns uh, as a Steelers fan, not so much. But, I mean, the Browns, they just have uh, both sides of the ball. It's really hard to find flaws. And, I mean, they, did we even talk? Uh, we didn't even talk very extensively there about their, their running back core, which – is arguably the the best one-two punch at the running back position in the NFL right now. That is pretty crazy that we talked about. We named essentially their entire roster without naming the person who's probably the best running back in the NFL, Nick Chubb. And then Nick Kareem Chubb. Hunt Oof. is also talented himself, but Chubb is, a, I mean, I'm a Dalvin fan, but Nick Chubb, it's not easy for me to say this, as you can tell, but Nick Chubb is probably better than Dalvin <laughs> Cook. And, oh my goodness! I like uh, that. Okay, okay. I, Let's roll I with it. I might have. We might have to edit this out so nobody can hear this. <laughs> but just everything about the Browns, and you mentioned Stefanski. You mentioned um, just their weapons. We their line. So I don't know where they can go without messing it up because the best teams in this scenario, they all they need to do is add the best player. And in this in this scenario, I would say that. Just adding team speed will make the Browns so much better on defense. You know, their defense coordinator, uh, he, um, Joe Woods, is a mastermind. I think once he has guys who can actually run at the second and third level, that's what's going to take them to, you know, be able to be, you know, better than good, as we mentioned, because that's what's going, that's what it's going to take to beat the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens, because that's what Cleveland is going to be competing with the next few handful of seasons actually so and you know what i'm actually going to maybe i'm maybe this is like hot taking it a little bit but Please. uh watching that playoff game between the browns and the chiefs it wasn't uh the the split between the two teams and their performances um not as as drastic as i would have ever expected in my lifetime um those teams uh, despite the you know the difference in reputation and quarterback play um obviously Patrick Mahomes uh was banged up but the the difference in play between those two squads uh that that far into the playoffs I was very shocked um that there really wasn't as significant a gap uh as I mean if I were to say that like pre 2020 I would have been laughed at and I would have been scoffed at and I would have lost my job because nobody believes in the Cleveland Browns but um, they actually looked good uh, opposing the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think if you can say that at, at any point, you're you're in a good spot. Seriously. And that's a great point because Cleveland probably should have beat the Chiefs. They should have beat the Chiefs, but, you know, they, they went full Browns and you never want to go full Browns. So we're going Browns. to uh, head to the NFC West for your next team, the Rams. What made you select the Rams who again another stacked team another stacked team I I just you know the interesting thing is that they uh, haven't even had a first round pick since Jared Goff 2016 absolute madness but I mean this is the the roster they built they have Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup Robert Woods Cam Akers Daryl Henderson on on the opposite side of the ball Aaron Donald Darius Williams like Jalen Jalen Ramsey I 
you should call him Jalen Whamsey because like <laughs> he's he's going to uh he's gonna ram your team into the ground. There's yeah. just so much depth on each side of the ball. I don't even think they need a draft pick. I think Matthew Stafford is uh just just the the ticket for what they need to accomplish under Sean McVay. Um, but you know, it, if they make any improvements, uh, you know, they they could roll uh with with some upgrades on the offensive line, maybe. I, I just think there's not a ton of of improvement that uh we really need to see from the Rams in order to put them in contention because they've got it all with uh their their crew on offense, they've got it all with their offensive mastermind. I just think the coaching and the the personnel, it's the perfect balance right now. Um, and like we could we could just keep trading back for the Rams. And I still think they're they're just a hop, skip and a jump away from a Super Bowl. Who needs a first round pick when you have Sean McVay? That's essentially you don't. What but having Aaron Donald and having Jalen Ramsey does not hurt. Uh, Leonard Floyd was great last year. They did lose, you know, Troy Hill. They did lose John Johnson. And I am interested to see how that affects their safety, their safety play. But I mean, Darius Williams was a stud. And, you know, having two really, really good cornerbacks, two top 10 cornerbacks, uh, makes life a lot easier as a play caller. So I wonder where they're going to go in the draft because. They don't have a number one pick with the Stafford trade. They could use help along the offensive line, but it seems like McVeigh's done such a good job to minimize, you know, just to have to have the team working with you know, working as one, as you would say, where it, it doesn't you don't really need these high draft picks because looking along their line, they have Andrew Whitworth, who is going probably going to be a Hall of Famer. But after that, a fifth round pick, fourth round pick, and then, you know, a free agent they signed from the Browns and then a Rob Havenstein who was a second round pick way, way back in way, way back in 2015. So, um, and they've also been burning picks on running backs in the second, on the second and third day. How do you feel about Cam Akers? Cam Akers is, uh, is an interesting B because I have not, have not been the biggest Cam Akers truther. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of Florida state. And I was one of, one of the very few people that could say that they weren't a fan of Cam Akers coming out of Florida State. Um, just uh, watching his tape out of college, I you know I, I felt I know playing behind a bad offensive line um, that that doesn't do you any favors. But uh, just just thought overall he doesn't run with as much power. But you know what? As as somebody in Sean McVay's system, you don't necessarily need power. I think yeah. him and Daryl Henderson could be a really nice one-two punch. Um, I, I think Daryl Henderson definitely has that that element of explosion that that you need on that side of the ball. But they've just got so many weapons that their their receivers take the pressure off the run. The run takes their pressure off the receivers. Um, I, I I just think they don't. It's the perfect balance. I don't. I, it's so hard to uh, accomplish such a uh, a perfect core on on offense and I, I think they really got it done so i imagine the rams are going to invest heavily along the offensive line just because you look everywhere else and they really don't need anything they have robert woods they have van jefferson they have cooper cup and they just added deshaun watson so if they invest in their offensive line for the coming years i feel like that's why you know the rams will be the rams and to me we are looking at what we we're talking about the best team in the nfc speaking of the nfc west my second team will be the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason I picked the 49ers is because much like the all of the other teams we are discussing, they are loaded. So 
we just got done talking about the Rams receivers. The 49ers could use a third receiver. Uh, the ghost of Jalen Hurd has yet to play in two years, but he will continue to be hyped up because he is just oozing with talent. Debo Samuel has to stay healthy. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk, who just had a really good rookie season. Their offensive line, they re-signed Trent Williams, which was big time. And then they also signed Alex Mack, who is going to be very good in that system. And then it comes back, it just comes down to hitting on the quarterback, number three. So if they select a guy who is ready to play, whether that's Mac Jones, whether that's Trey Lance, whether that's Justin Fields, whoever that is, he just needs to come down and hold the four down because in that offense, receivers will be open often. In that running game, you will be able to take advantage of second and third level defenses because they have to respect the run. And then you turn the ball or you turn the page to the other side. You have Eric Armstead, you have Javon Kinlaw, you have Nick Bosa finally coming back, and he will be a big-time player. And hopefully the team is able to get something, something from D Ford. Many people feel like the 49ers in the second round are going to use their selection on an edge rusher, so that would just take some of, you know, something off of Ford's plate. They have a lot of speed on defense, and they have a star in Fred Warner. They have Jason Brett. They just have a lot of good players, which comes back to, you know, the quarterback. So if the 49ers hit on the quarterback, add an edge rusher, probably a cornerback, and then maybe, you know, a wide receiver, a wide receiver to help Jalen Hurd so he doesn't have to rush back if he is still, you know, lingering from his multiple injuries. I feel like the 49ers are going to be you know, again, one of the better teams in the NFL. So the Rams, the 49ers, I feel like they are going to be one of the top teams in the NFC, along with probably, you know, the Bucks, because the Bucks are not going to go anywhere as long as they have that one guy under center. Um, Kate, who is your final team? I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, their, their odds at DraftKings Sportsbook uh, for the Super Bowl futures, uh, uh, they're sitting at plus 2,800, which I really like those odds. Um, I mean, Let's look at what they accomplished in 2020, right? I uh, they had some some nice pieces on defense. Xavier Howard had a fantastic season, but they did not have a single receiver with more than 793 receiving yards. Not a single rusher with more than 584 rushing yards. Uh, they had a rookie quarterback mixed with Ryan Fitzpatrick to form some sort of dual-headed monster. Um, they, they just had a lot of like crazy stuff happening and they still ended up at 10 and six, um, in a division where you've got the Patriots, obviously not the Patriots of old, but, uh, you've got the Buffalo bills there. You've got a lot of competition, um, in that, that region there. And I think the, the dolphins looked fantastic despite all of these moving pieces they had on their offense. Now they have four picks in the top 50 uh, sitting at number six, number 18, 36, and 50. Their defense, uh, especially with Xavier Howard, had the sixth lowest touchdown rate allowed in the NFL. Um, I think, you know, if they maybe get some pressure at edge, they uh, get to a, a solid receiving weapon at that number six pick. I just think there's, there's a really hard uh, road to screwing this up if you're blind. Brian Flores. Um, I just think it, good coach, uh, I think what they've they've accomplished with as little as they had, um, I, I would have never guessed if you if you told me ahead of 2020 that they would have finished with a 10 and six record with the the 
um, I'm trying to come up with like a good word. What's a good word for just when you throw paint at the wall, see what sticks. And then, uh, you know, it, it's just like a Picasso of an offense. <laughs> like, like that's what it felt like was happening in Miami. And yet they, they still got it done because their defense was good enough. Uh, they've got a, a solid defensive coach. Uh, I just think get some more pieces around your, your rookie quarterback who, uh, you're soon to not be rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, he's another year removed from injury. I just think that this could be a, a big year for the Dolphins. And I don't know. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. If you would have said the Dolphins would have finished 10 and six, you would have probably been sleeping on the couch. And that's what yes. that's how outrageous <laughs> that take would have been. So this was supposed to be the year for Tua. Last year was supposed to be his redshirt year since he was injured. So I think that is fair to give Tua a pass for last year. Now he does have to perform, though. So he does have Devontae Parker. He does have Will Fuller. He does have Preston, Preston Williams. I imagine they are going to invest heavily just for a pass rusher, as you said, because like Emmanuel Ogba, he's fine. But after that, they need help. Christian, Wil Tr Christian Wilkins has not really done it for them. But they, I mean, on defense, like we just talked about speed for the 49ers, they have plenty of it and they have a really good secondary. It just comes back to, and you mentioned four picks in the top 50. That's where I would kind of think about spending one on Najee Harris. I know this is not great. People don't like taking a running back early, but <laughs> that would really help too, I imagine. And Najee would be perfect for the Dolphins. I just think he would be perfect in that offense and he would take a lot of pressure off of the quarterback. So get Najee Harris, draft two pass rushers. Who cares? Draft all pass rushers. And Miami is going to be very, very dangerous. I feel like they're, they're just a good team. I've, I'm very high on Flores. I think he did a great job last year. And from based on what we saw with him and how he handled the quarterback situation, he got a lot of question marks, but He's just trying to win games, and I respect that. And I feel like a lot of it, he's probably open with his team about that as well. So my final team, also in the AFC East, it is the Patriots who, like the 49ers, mm. they are going to have to get this quarterback situation figured out. Cam Newton, love him to death, one of my favorite quarterbacks. He played well, and then he caught COVID. And then after that, he did not look the same. But to be fair to Cam, the Patriots had – in my in my honest opinion, the worst weapons in the NFL, and it wasn't particularly close. Uh, they went out and added Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, two tight ends, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, and that's probably what they're going to be operating in. So there there aren't really many holes now that they added them. I wouldn't be surprised if they were to add you know a, a true wide receiver one now. So a lot of those guys are wide receiver twos and threes, and some even four. Um, in the first round, if they do not trade up for a quarterback, take like J Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, one of those guys. Like that will change that offense. I imagine one of them, one of those guys, will be available. Getting guys opting back in, like Donta Hightower, who is pr one of the best linebackers of this generation. And I, I remember talking to Kist about this early in the year, where I had no idea how good Hightower was until this year when he didn't play. So getting him yeah. back. Um, they're going to have, you know, McCourty back. They're going to have another year of Kyle Duggar. Stephon Gilmore seems like he's going to be with the Patriots. I haven't, we haven't really seen any news on them moving him. And then also J.C. Jackson signed his tender. So, yeah, they, they have a chance to be really good. They also signed Matt Judon, stud. Maybe get another pass rusher. Who knows? Add another pass rusher to pair with Judon, make that defense even more dangerous. But I really like what the Patriots have done 
essentially they just revamped their entire roster. And now that they, if they just hit on one of these first two picks, I feel like they're going to give the Buffalo Bills a run for their money. And the Dolphins, Bills, and Pats, we're looking at probably three potential playoff teams there. So this draft is going to be fascinating because with the teams we just mentioned, they could truly have, if they hit on one, two, or three of these picks and they are able to get these rookies to contribute right away, they will be in they will be making moves for years to come. So, Kate, before we throw it to this interview, is there anything else that we want to get to? Enjoy this week leading up. All of this, this uh, you know, fill of promise and, and potential. <laughs> Just enjoy these feelings because this moment comes, uh, you know, once once a year. And I feel like, uh, I mean, we're all all giggles and and smiles now about the potential these teams have, but we know somebody's going to screw it up, and we oh, can talk yes. about that later. But Cannot let's wait. talk about the magic right now <laughs> and enjoy it. The, we will save the screw ups for after the draft <laughs> our show because it is the Palpable Unfair podcast, and that is what we do. So let's throw it to RJ with his great interview with Heisman quarterback Danny Warfel. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pleased to be joined now here on the SB Nation NFL show by the one, the only, the incredible, the handsome, the debonair, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, all-around good guy, Danny Werfel. Danny, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. RJ, great to be with you. Thanks. Uh, I threw in handsome because right before we started recording, I told you that I went to Texas A&M University, and, um, and I told you, I mean, I, I don't get a shot all the time or an opportunity to take a shot at a Heisman winner and, and rub that in. And thing is Texas A&M isn't necessarily pulling off big time wins every year so um you know I just have to say it again on tape for the record uh Texas A&M got that win but you know I think you've gotten enough wins uh, as a Florida Gator to make up for it man that was a big win hey and when you get your shot you better take it so you you got you got something to, to rag on here so I'll, I'll grant you it I wanted to ask you first um I always want to try to ask people things they've never been asked before what's your favorite number favorite number uh I mean probably is seven like you know because that was my jersey number sure. but also has significance more than that a number of whole um it's it's a kind of biblical reference and so forth so uh that's my number so i know that your faith is a big you know plays a big role in your life and in mind is as well it's a common denominator we share and i figured you would say number seven i assumed actually uh because of the biblical ties to it but you didn't mention i kind of thought you were about to it was on whole number seven on december 10th 2020 danny you had a hole in one. You got to, I mean, you got to <laughs> tell us this story right now. Oh my goodness. Oh, I love, I love talking with you. Um, man, you pulled that out out of somewhere deep. Um, no, that's great. Yeah. I was playing with my son. Uh, it wasn't a, a super hard hole. It was probably 125 yards, but it was uphill. So you couldn't see it. So I, I hit a decent shot rolled up there. We had no idea. So it was really fun looking for my ball and then thinking, wait a minute, let's go look in the cup. And I said, you come with me because I don't want anybody saying it. And we got there and 
sure enough, it was sitting in the cup. We had a, we had a great celebration. Um, so I know you're athletic, and so I'm, I'm sure the answer to this is no. But you said 125 yards. Tell me, you used a seven nine just for the the symmetry involved here. But I really doubt it, just based on the yardage. Uh, no, it was a, a 50 degree gap wedge. That's okay. It, it would have the, the seven iron would have. I, I would have lost my mind a little bit, but still, I mean, a hole in one uh, is awesome. Um, shout out to the Werfel Trophy Twitter account, of course, named after you uh, for sharing that. So that's pretty cool. Little excitement. I think everybody's had that moment, like. Well, let me look in the cup, right? But like for most people on earth, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're actually like 30 yards out of bounds. Uh, but, but for you, it actually worked out. So that is really cool. Uh, I mentioned it, the Werfel Trophy. Tell us about that. Let's let's get started right there. Named after yeah, you. Yeah, well, well, thank you. Yeah, you can see the little logo here on the shirt. So yeah, you know, one of my life missions is to inspire greater service and unity in the world. And so the, the Werfel Trophy is a college award presented to a college football player who exemplifies community service. And so we're trying to shine a hot, uh, uh, shine a, a, a spotlight on the great work that's going on. So often, you know, the guys that get attention are when they do something wrong, you know, if it's off the field. So there's some guys that are doing phenomenal work all over the country and all over the, the world, really traveling. So the Werfel Trophy highlights those. We had a hundred nominees the last couple of years, and then we have one uh, exceptional winner. And it's been a, a great thing to be a part of. That's awesome. I also now have to steer into you're getting a trophy, Danny, uh, the Wooden Citizens Cup. Let's talk about this. Um, again, Werfel Trophy, big deal. Namesake, obviously a great person handing it out. That's fun. But it's probably a lot more fun for you to receive a trophy. I know you have a humanitarian side, obviously, but but tell us about the cup. Well, you know, I mean, it's a it's a big honor when you do something on the field or in your sport and, and people you know honor you for that. And I've been very blessed to be on winning teams and get a lot of team and individual awards. But uh, you know, so much of my purpose in life is what I do off the field through Desire Street Ministries, through the Workful Trophy and, and other endeavors. And so for this group to recognize that and to say what you're doing to make the world better is significant enough to have an award. Um, that's very meaningful to me. I'm really looking forward to be there. A lot of key people in my life. Coach Spurrier is going to be there to help present it and many others. So it's just a it's a really great honor for me. And I'm really looking forward to it. I know you've been involved with Desire Street Ministries for a long time now. Where does this this drive to serve come from? I believe your father was a pastor. Is that correct? Um, is, I, I imagine that there's a semblance of that and probably part of your entire life. But what is that growing up, your parents, your household? Where, where does that come from? Because it is evident in everything that you do. You know, I, I don't know you could ever pick one thing that impacts all the other things. You know, I, there was a whole lot of things that kind of came into my life probably going back generations of, of what my ancestors did and were part of. And, you know, people that are, are deep in faith, you know, we've got relatives named Luther from Germany, which could have been part of the, the, the Protestant Reformation. Right. Uh, my parents, uh, the way they instilled life and faith and service, I think experiences that I had, you know, there, there were some moments when I was young where probably who knows for what motivations, but I did something help someone else. And I can remember how great that felt for me too. And so I just, I think you realizing that there's something in our DNA where we're wired that, you know, not just to take care of ourselves or take care of our family or do what's in our best interest, but when we make everyone around us better, we all thrive. And of course, that's what makes a, a football team win. It's not always the best players. It's those that care for one another the best. And I think that's what makes the, the world work better as well. That's awesome. I think that's well said. You are receiving, I believe, the 16th cup that we're talking about here. Previous recipients include Jack Nicholas. Maybe you got to, you know, tell the story about hole number seven and talk about the yeah, gap wedge. I mean, you'd probably be impressed. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't be. But again, the the list of people you're joining here, Danny, let's not bury the entire lead here. Jack Nicholas, obviously. Um, shout out to the Golden Bear. Uh, Pat Summit, Drew Brees, Tim Tebow, another Gator. We're getting another Gator on the board. How's that feel? Oh, that's great. Um, Tim's doing such great work. I'm so impressed with what he's doing all over the place. His foundation is incredible, and um, that makes this more special than he wanted to. So, um, so Danny, we're talking around the time of the NFL draft, which is a time that you know well. Uh, there's some prominent Florida Gators in the draft this year. Uh, I told you I covered the Dallas Cowboys, and, and there's a large contingency of Cowboys fans that wants to see them draft Kyle Pitts. But I want to start with your draft journey. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about? Does, does this time of year kind of you know, send you back there uh, to 1997 and kind of you know, the feelings you felt and the things you were going through and, and everything that it was like? Uh, a little bit, you know, I think there's other things that, that get my juices flowing when, you, when you're watching the a national championship game or, you mm-hmm. know, watching the presentation of the Heisman Trophy. You know, I kind of purposely tried to downplay the significance of the event of the draft. You know, I worked hard at the combines and the pro days. You could you could control that. But once draft day came, it was more just like getting the information. And so um, I wasn't invited to go to as one of the top top guys. So I just decided to be golfing and uh, and and wasn't even watching when uh, when I got the call from Mike Dick that I was drafted. And so that was that was sort of my approach was to downplay it and just see what happened. What'd you shoot that day? Do you remember um, that? Well, uh, unfortunately, the, the first day that I was golfing, I didn't get drafted. So I was warming up the second day. I was hit, hitting balls when the call came in. So right I was still, still, I was still even at that point for the day. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what's your handicap while we're on the subject? Because it's got to be pretty good at this point. Uh, you know, um, a lot of quarterbacks are exceptional. I'm not in that group, but I'm <laughs> solid. I, I try to try to always be in the low 80s, or, or if I get lucky, get in the 70s. But that's kind of where I live. Okay, that's um, hey. I mean, there are a lot of worse ways to spend um, a Saturday morning or whatever the case may be. Talk to us about the prospects coming out of Florida this year. I know you're still very close to the Florida program, obviously. Um, but what are your thoughts on them? What are your hopes for them? I think I I would anticipate that that that's kind of if if I were you, which I'm not, I'm not nowhere near as accomplished, but I, it would be kind of like as an ambassador, you know, kind of watching and hoping and sort of willing things into existence for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you. The, the Gators are the team that I follow the most and you get to, to know at least these guys at some level, or you, you feel like you do, whether you know them personally or not. And so you hope, hope the best for them. And, you know, there's a few uh, that I I'm really excited about, you know, you, you mentioned Kyle Pitts, who is a uh, un, unnaturally created athlete who I think is a defensive matchup nightmare. Um, you know, you, you, I don't know how you cover him with one person, uh, you know, if anyone's big enough to sort of cover them, they're not fast enough to run with them. And if they're fast enough to run with them, they, they don't have seven feet wingspan to, right. to cover. So I think he's he's a defensive nightmare. So I'm looking looking for him to be drafted really high and, and then have a great career if he stays healthy. You know, Kadarius Tony is, is another player that's an electric playmaker for Florida, has been for, for a few years now. But this last year, I think he really upgraded his stock potential by honing his receiver skills. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a great athlete playmaker, but he really got more precise on his route running, his discipline as a receiver, his hands. And so he has a lot more to offer. So I, I think there, there'll be some teams that are really chomping at the bit to get him. And then, of course, uh, the, the the next one that I really like to talk about is Kyle Trask. You know, he's uh, despite the season that he had, the success he had this past year, he still sort of 
falls lower on that quarterback list when you talk about all the, the high-profile quarterbacks that are getting drafted and people are finding reason, you know, maybe not quick enough or, or these different things to sort of lower his stock. But to me, he's been someone that has, has always been a little bit overlooked coming out of high school, coming into college, uh, and, and he finally got his shot. And to me, he displayed some, some skills that are a little less obvious. I mean, he clearly has a strong arm. He's very accurate and all that stuff. But the, the idea of processing the game, the speed of thinking and decision-making, anticipation of where you need to put a ball in each circumstances is a skill you can't see at a pro day. And so, I, you know, there's been a few other undervalued quarterbacks. I think one just won the Super Bowl in Tom Brady. And uh, I'm not saying he's the next Tom Brady at all. But I do think he he is being a bit overlooked and could be a great player for a lot of years. Yeah, I think that that's well said. And, and obviously, I mean, you know, all the, the top names and everybody kind of hears them, especially in, in the last sort of run up to the draft. But, um, you know, like Kellen Mond is an example. I think somebody a lot of, you know, my classmates are, are rooting for. And, and you have that guy. But I think Kyle Trask is somebody that will have I hate to call it a luxury, uh, but but the benefit of not necessarily going to a team that's in in dire straits, a team that is in a terrible position might have a chance to to sit behind, you know, somebody it, the quarterback landscape in the NFL right now is interesting um, to the point that uh, Kyle Trask, wherever he goes, he represents perpetual hope. I mean, you know that better than anybody. I mean, any any quarterback kind of is that embodiment to that particular fan base that, hey, hey, let's give Kyle Trask a shot because, you know, Danny Werfel told us that he's he's a baller. Danny Werfel guaranteed us that, that you know, <laughs> Kyle Trask is the next Tom Brady, basically. Now, uh, all kidding aside, though, is there a special element to, like, the fraternity of being Gator quarterbacks that, you know, is, is a little bit different than, than, say, anybody else just because you played the position? Uh, well, I think so. You know, I, I'm led to reach out and touch base with, uh, with Kyle through the years and each of the quarterbacks. I know Shane Matthews has been engaged with a lot of the guys and, and Tim as well. So, you know, I think there is a little bit of a uniqueness to being the quarterback at a major university. And there's not a lot of people that have been in those shoes. So I imagine it's not too different uh, at the different different schools where you go. And I, I love the point that you just made, though. You know, it, it's almost preferable. I think for a career, if you go somewhere where you don't have to play right away, mm -hmm. um, you know, how many, I mean, we could name forever the number of guys that were really high draft picks that went in and within one year were thrown in, have a bad year or two, and then sort of fizzle out. Uh, and when you look at guys that, that had a chance to develop a little bit and, and watch, you know, an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you know, a lot of those folks, there's more examples of those guys, I think, Excel, uh, excelling for the long haul. I also think to, to kind of further our own point here, uh, the point that we're crafting is um, so much of the NFL now is is about the financial side of it and, and salary cap and kind of contractual elements and things like that. And so there's there's no more, and, and I certainly can tell you this uh, from the perspective of the Dallas Cowboys, there's no more valuable asset that a team can have than, than a, a, a quarterback on a rookie contract. They had Dak Prescott on this enormous bargain as, as a fourth rounder, which is a, obviously a rare exception. Uh, but but even first round, you know, there, there's this pressure to we have to have success right now because he is on this rookie contract. The moment that he makes, you know, big time NFL money, everything else changes around him. Um, and so, you know, beyond the fact that you are a first round pick or first overall pick, whatever, fifth overall pick, whatever the case may be, you also have the added pressure of the, the team is now committed to the entire team financially because of you. You're the one cog that everything else is revolving around, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting the the different dynamics that come to play when you you take a sport that for most of our lives has been an amateur sport, right? Um, people playing, and then you really put in the 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 complicatedness of the uh, of the business and all that kind of stuff. I, I remember one coach right before uh, the last preseason game, he gave a speech to us, and it had two two points. The first point was one of the best I've ever heard. He was talking about how we are a team. No one cares about us except us. We have to rally together. We're in a foxhole together. I care about you. You care about me. That's all that matters. We stick together. And it was like this, the thing you you just want to see in a movie, you know, remember the Titans type of stuff. Uh, And then he stopped. And his next point was, and some of you guys that think you already made this team, uh, you better, you better think twice because we may see somebody else that gets cut from another team. We'll cut your butt and you'll be out here in a second. So don't you ever feel safe. It was sort of like this other way of motivating you to be, be afraid, which totally contradicted the first point. And uh, it seems to me like that's part of the challenge in the NFL is how do you develop unity and camaraderie when it's also such a big business? That's um, that's really great um, perspective in terms of how, like to your point, I mean, something like literally points of advice contradicting one another and and, they, and them both having value and, and both making sense in that particular moment. Um, yeah. Danny, I, I want to close again talking about the Wooden Citizens Cup because I think it, it is incredibly important. The award was founded by Athletes for a Better World. Uh, the cup is unique in that it awards athletes at the high school, college and professional levels. Um, I just, I, I think this is really cool. And I think that what you're doing in doing research on you, which I think is, is obvious that I did, th- that's, this is a, a sector of your life that doesn't have a, an end point or a timestamp that ends it. Your, your contributions to society and, and the world as a whole um, seemingly last your entire lifetime, which is a rare thing, I think, just not just in athletics, but in life in general these days. Well, you know, again, I, somewhere in, in my DNA, and I, I certainly can't take credit for it, uh, I've just found the joy in that. And of course, you know, a lot of times people put me on a pedestal. I can be a pretty selfish guy <laughs> in a lot of ways as well. I'm glad glad my wife or kids aren't being interviewed here as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying. And I think that's the best we all can do. And, you know, you don't have to have a Heisman Trophy or a platform to do something for your neighbor. Uh, you don't have to wait till you have money. You don't have to wait till later. There's something that you can do now. You have a contribution to make and there's joy, joy in doing it. So I, I think that that is a very natural part of me. It's something I enjoy. And I was able to, to help uh, someone just, just the other day that, that was really in a tough spot through through Desire Street. And, and the person literally w- was crying. They're, they're so grateful. And uh, what, what a blessing to be able to be there. You know, I've been in a lot of need at different times in my life after Hurricane Katrina, going through Guillaume-Barre and some other struggles. And, and people were there for me when I needed it. And it was very meaningful to me. So I think that's the, the, the world that we can make. Uh, we live in a world where everybody's mad at each other and divided over everything. And there's cultural wars and political wars. So we need some folks to stand in the gap to make the world better. Uh, I'm trying to be one. I hope anybody listening will, will make their part as well. I think it's important that you acknowledge that we we all are selfish. We all are flawed. You know, that that is unavoidable, that that is not, you know, untrue for any single person. And it's you know, there's a there's a level of importance and a level of necessity to highlighting that um, in all matters. Talk to us uh, finally about Desire Street Ministries, again, something that you've been working on for really, really, really an impressive amount of time now. Yeah, since uh, since I was drafted by Ditka in 97 for the Saints. I started volunteering at a small organization in the Ninth Ward there that was on Desire Street. So it was called Desire Street, working in that neighborhood, hoping to impact other 
uh, under-resourced neighborhoods and other places. Well, after Katrina hit, as devastating as that was, it sort of forced us to think not just about one neighborhood. And now our, our headquarters are in Atlanta, Georgia, and we partner with existing leaders, people that live and serve in under-resourced neighborhoods, and we help them develop as leaders. We help them develop their boards. We do retreats. We do coaching. We do all sorts of things to help them be successful uh, in their lives. You know, I was a, uh, a raw young guy going into Florida, uh, could throw a ball a little bit, and somebody helped me become the Heisman Trophy winner. And so Desire Street tries to help uh, urban ministry leaders, people that live and serve in difficult places. We try to help them be thriving and sustainable and be the Heisman Trophy winning leaders in their neighborhoods too. That's awesome stuff. Uh, you mentioned the headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, the College Triple Hall of Fame also located in Atlanta. You are a College Triple Hall of Famer. Uh, to end this in appropriate fashion, Danny, uh, there are seven letters in both Atlanta and Georgia. Uh, clearly a, a prominent theme uh, in your life. Danny Werfel, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Really enjoyed the chat. I also believe there's seven letters in Heisman. Uh, so we can we can keep going down this path uh, as much as we want oh, to. Oh, my word. You, uh, you, you, you are fun to talk to, I tell you. Also, if anybody wants to find me dannywerfel.com desirestreet.org werfeltrophy.org we'd love to have you check us out appreciate it danny thank you so much uh, have a great rest of your week all right